Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're going to be talking about the phenomenon known as hitting the wall, which can happen to many marathon runners during races around about the 20 mile mark. So we're, we're really hoping to help you discover what hitting the wall actually means, what you'll experience, what the impact might be on you as a runner during a race, and also how you can help prevent hitting the wall by focusing on training and nutrition to avoid that experience, and also some um, mindset exercises that might help you get through those difficult moments when you do hit the wall. So we hope this is really helpful for you with your marathon training and preparations. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Hi everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen and as always we're going to share something personal with you about our nutrition or running before we move on to discuss today's topic which is all about hitting the wall and I wonder if that's something any of you have experienced uh, particularly when running marathons or or even longer distances. So if you have experienced it we'd really be interested to know what happened for you and uh, we're always interested to find out how we can help any of you. So today, uh, Karen, the question is the same, really. Have you ever hit the wall? Well, actually, Aileen, no, I haven't, thankfully. Um, But I suppose there is always a first time. You never know when it's going to hit you, really. Um, Even when I I didn't fuel appropriately, I still never had that awful experience. I felt terrible afterwards sometimes, but never had those debilitating feelings during a marathon. And maybe that's because I never ran fast enough. Therefore, I tended to burn more fat than carbohydrate. Who knows? But anyway, um, I know that it's thought that hitting the wall is only experienced when running marathon distance and beyond alien but and I know that your distances are more sort of middle middle distance sort of half marathon um distance so I'm just wondering if you have ever hit the wall um considering you do the half marathon distance and um if so what was your experience but if not have you ever experienced any adverse symptoms during your half marathon events 
Well, fortunately, no, I've never hit the wall. And uh, I guess, as you say, that's because of the distances. But also, I think, I don't know, I've got this internal, if I think something's going wrong, I would slow down. So I don't just sort of push through. Uh, But I have seen other runners keel over during races and at the end of races, which is pretty awful to witness. And I always feel so sorry for them because I think, well, they've trained so hard and then it's all gone wrong on the day. Um, And it often can happen to people who look really fit and very strong and you think why why would that happen to them um but I have had nauseas and and cramps during races but never anything that stopped me completing a race thankfully and I always go in with the mindset that I'm going to finish and I'm not going to need to use the St. John's ambulance. <laughs> so that's always my sort of whatever happens. I think I'm not going to put myself at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am really looking forward to having this discussion today, Karen, because I think it is something that people are a bit fearful of. And I know we're going to talk about some uh, strategies and also how you can just prepare yourself mentally. Um, so it'll be interesting to uh, hearing the advice that you've got to share today, Karen. So let's move on and introduce our topic for the day. And um, as we've already mentioned, it's all about marathon running and hitting the wall, or sometimes it's described as bonking or blowing up. It sounds uh, pretty dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's some, probably some other colloquial names for it too. And it is a bit of a phenomenon and it's sort of referred to as an iconic feature or an iconic hazard of the marathon distance and it tends to occur around about the 20 mile mark sort of around about 30 kilometers Uh, and using the word iconic makes it sound like a mark of honor but I'm sure anyone who's ever experienced it will know it's anything uh, but that Uh, and and I think to help everyone understand the phenomenon a little bit more um, will hopefully help prevent it occurring in um anybody's future marathon events and um, so today what we're, we're aiming to do is outlining what hitting the wall is and why it might occur discuss the impact of hitting the wall on a runner and also focus on training and nutrition to help avoid experiencing this horrible hitting the wall experience so i mean as everybody will know karen and i are not running coaches um We don't have any qualifications in that area. So the information that we're giving you regarding training is either anecdotal or from current research um, into this phenomenon. So let's start by defining what hitting the wall actually is, Karen. Well, interestingly, Aileen, the physiology of hitting the wall, so how it affects the body, it has been quite well established. However, its actual impact on the runner tends to be less understood. So because of that, there currently doesn't appear to be an agreed definition of the wall. And rather, it's known as um, as the phenomenon. You will know it when you see it or feel it because it's it's more of a feeling than a, than a seeing really um so to speak and um you know clearly it's an invisible wall but people are really aware of it when they feel it or see it so um the the 
they've left it at that at the moment because there's still a lot of debate about the impact on a runner of it. But what is well known about hitting the wall, though, is that it is a combination of sudden onset and debilitating fatigue and a lack of available fuel. So the body's glycogen stores are basically depleted. They're empty. So they know that those are two key features of um, hitting the wall. Yeah. And as we always say, Karen, carbohydrates are a limiting factor in running performance. So hitting the wall is potentially one consequence of not fueling appropriately. So that's that's interesting how that um, ties together with the definition that you said there. Yeah, exactly. That is so true. Um, But what I just wanted to also mention here is that I think it's important not to confuse true hitting the wall fatigue with that more generalised tiredness, fatigue and discomfort that is really just part and parcel of running a marathon distance because it is a long way. So you are going to feel tired you are going to feel fatigued um and but that is a true difference between that and hitting the wall you know hitting the wall is really quite distinct so um so i think that's worth bearing in mind yeah and i mean when people say hitting the wall it sounds like quite a shock doesn't it you know to hit a wall would would not be what you would intend to do so it's probably something that comes on quite suddenly i would imagine um so, so moving on, Karen, you, you mentioned that low glycogen stores are thought to be the reason why hitting the wall occurs. So could you expand on that for us? Yeah, absolutely, Ellen. So as we know, and we've talked about many times, the body can only store a limited amount of carbohydrate, hence why it's a limiting factor in, in performance. And it's um, and glycogen is stored mostly in the liver and skeletal muscles, with 100 grams being, sto- being stored in the liver and up to 500 grams in skeletal muscle. So when you think about it, it isn't a huge amount. Um, so in the hitting the wall phenomenon, the key factor is thought really to be poor race nutrition leading to that glycogen tank. So our fuel tank being completely empty. And that tends to happen as the runner reaches that 20 mile mark because they've got enough of the stores um, and up until that point, and then the stores are diminished and they haven't refueled properly. So that's when they tend to hit the wall. But yeah, I know. It, it just, it, to me, it really shows the, the, the power of nutrition and the importance of nutrition sort of before and during any, any sort of distance event. Um, but it, it hitting the wall, although that's the key point, it is potentially thought to be exacerbated by, um, aggressive pacing. So not, not, not um, thinking about your pacing and um, and having a strategy for your pacing and also thought to be um, affected by a co- cognitive element as well. Um, now, the other point is that it's, it's generally experienced mostly in recreational and novice or first-time marathon runners, apparently more experienced in professional and elite runners um, at appear to have sort of an understanding of how to avoid um, hitting the wall. But I have to say, this isn't always the case and um, can happen to elite runners as well. When we think of the Brownlee brothers again, I think we've mentioned them before. One of the Brownleys just didn't make it over the over the finish line without help of his brother. Now, um, 
clearly he'd hit the wall so something had had gone wrong for him but like I say there's the cognitive part there's the nutrition part but there's also the pacing if you get your pacing wrong yeah and I I guess you know there are always external factors that we're maybe not aware of but it's if we can be aware of the things that we can influence that's really going to help us and I like the analogy of you know the the storage almost being like the bank and it's almost like if you spend your money too fast or you're not paying attention to how you spend your money yeah. you're going to run out aren't you so yeah. I think that's a really powerful way of thinking of it yeah. um, so the, there's quite a few uh, risk factors in development of hitting the wall so that would include poor glycogen stores the race pacing so having poor race pacing so perhaps setting off too quickly um, having poor or negative cognition, so experiencing that feeling of fatigue and being a, a, a novice or a first-time marathon runner um, are probably the main risk factors. Are there any others that you would think would be important to mention, Karen? Yeah, actually, there are a few, Aileen, that um, that are thought to be um additive or accumulative like you say there are certain factors that we can't control and one of them being age Um, now it is thought that younger runners are more likely to um, hit the wall than older runners and and this is thought to be because many older runners will probably have more experience so know how to avoid it now that's not again always the case these are are generalized um observations from studies um, but, but clearly people can start running later in life so they could be beginners but generally speaking older runners will have more experience so they'll know how to avoid it and also with an older runner if they hit the wall it is thought to be that it occurs for a shorter period of time and they tend to recover more often than um, than younger um, than younger under runners now gender is a, is a factor as well. Males are thought to be 1.82 times more likely to hit the wall than females. And this is thought to be partly due to, to the pacing that we were speaking about earlier and pacing um, technique. Women appear to be better at pacing the marathon distance than men. But also another potential risk factor that has been observed certainly in studies is exercise-induced muscle damage. Now, running with this type of injury is thought to amplify the physiological reactions, which is understandable, and lead to a hormonal distress response and an increased perception of physical strain. And that is then thought to lead to an increase in performance fatigue. Now, you can quite understand that if you're running with a, with, with, um, uh, uh, and exercise-induced muscle damage. Now, it could be that that occurs in the marathon and you just continue and that is is adding to, um, to that feeling of fatigue, therefore hitting the wall. It, I, I would hope that if you're experiencing that type of um, uh, injury beforehand, you just wouldn't enter into the, into the race. But who knows? Some people... Oh, maybe... I know, I know. It's so hard, isn't it? People, yeah. you know, people always think that they can push through and that they'll be okay but sometimes you have to make sensible decisions for the long long term you know it's yeah and And it's a difficult one isn't it if you if you get injured during a race that you feel of you feel a sense of failure don't you and you don't want to 
give yeah. up. But, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else, Aileen, that you can think of regarding risk factors that you would add here? Well, I mean, the, the sort of um, obvious one would be lack of preparation. And I think that goes for all sorts of distance of races. Some people just don't prepare properly and, and that will lead to a lack of physical stamina. Um, you know, people talk about mind over matter, but I, I think when it comes to training, you've got to put the training in or it's not going to work. Um, the training and the conditioning. So it's like looking after yourself as a whole. Um, and also the weather on the day may play a part. Now that's something that, you know, we can't always control. So you have to really um, adapt on the day so you know it might be hot or cold or windy and all of these different types of weather conditions could use up energy reserves more quickly than if it was temperate weather and then of course there's the terrain uh, especially if the course is hilly so um, you know I think that fits in with how you've done preparation and are you able to cope with the different types of terrain on a on a course yeah, absolutely, Aileen. I think they're all really good points and maybe points that people wouldn't necessarily think about and think about adapting or preparing for that um, linked to the pacing and the, the, the nutrition as well to, to try and prevent that risk of, of hitting the wall. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, Karen, that gender is a potential risk factor for hitting the wall. Um so I just wondered if there's any other female factors that we as, as women runners should be considering. Yeah, actually, when I was reading through the literature, literature, there were actually quite a few gender differences linked to this phenomenon, including the fact that females are less likely to hit the wall than males. Um, and like I said earlier, um, females appear to be better at pacing the marathon than males, therefore less, less likely to hit the wall. Um, but also some research has suggested that females are physiologically better suited to distance running than males. Um, for example, it's thought that women have a greater utilisation of stored glycogen um, and are able to run aerobically at a higher percentage of um, maximum oxygen uptake than their male con counterparts. So that's that's really interesting. Also, um, some research has noted that females tend to take marathon distance more seriously, therefore they train maybe more appropriately, whereas males tend to be more bullish and 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 you know the research says they they tend to have an more of an abundance of bravado in their approach to marathon even in the face of limiting training like you mentioned earlier you know people will go out they may not be appropriately trained but they think oh i can do it now they're saying this is from the research this is not my point of view they're saying that um, men are more likely to do that than than women are but also if a female does hit the wall um, it's been found that um, it tends to be with less intensity than in males. And um, and again, if, if a female hits the wall, she is more likely to recover than a male. So quite a few um, sort of gender female factors um, to consider and think about regarding hitting the wall. Most of them quite positive for women, I would say, more positive than for men. Yeah, sounds like it. So mm. thanks, Karen. So we, what we've done so far is determined that mar the marathon phenomenon of hitting the wall is most likely to occur in recreational and novice runners. 
and the key risk factor is reduced energy, um, as in glycogen stores, which could be for a, a number of reasons, including poor nutrition principles, poor race uh, pacing, and the potential for bravado around abilities. Um, so that's uh, that's where we're up to so far. So now let's take a quick look at the impact on a runner of hitting the wall. And it's thought that approximately 40% of marathon runners experience hitting the wall in any given race. So that is really high. Um, You know, what what would you say the signs and symptoms of a runner experiencing hitting the wall would be, Karen, so that we can identify with it when it happens? Yeah, well, the principal sign would be that abrupt slowing of pace. You know, you said it happens it, because it's a wall. It sounds as though it happens abruptly, and it does. Um, all of a sudden, pace just seems to slow significantly. So that's the key sign. And, and a symptom that the runner would experience would be that overwhelming feeling of fatigue. So it's not a tiredness. It's not just a, a general fatigue it's an overwhelming feeling of fatigue. Now, other symptoms also include an overwhelming feeling of heaviness in the legs, which again may lead to the slowing of the pacing and that feeling of fatigue. And a real increased desire to walk, um, trying to fight it, but really needing to walk, lack of concentration, and for some people, um, feelings of outright despair. So, you know, that the symptoms and degree of symptoms will clearly differ um, for every individual and they might not experience all of these symptoms, um, but experience some of them. Now, it is thought that when a runner hits the wall, they reduce their oxygen uptake from well, usually it's around 70% to 85% of VO2 max, but it reduces to between 40 and 60% of VO2 max. So that that is a big drop and that leads to a significant drop in exertion, which then leads to the slowdown that, that can be witnessed by the individual and those around them. So when somebody goes through that experience, um, you know, at the 20 mile mark or round about that time, um, is it possible to recover from hitting the wall and continue uh, with the race? Yeah, absolutely. It is possible to recover and you do see people recovering as well when you're when you're running along or if you're in the crowd um, cheering. Um, and, and although the drop in pace is severe and abrupt, many runners are known to recover some of their pace afterwards. So it's almost like they manage to run through the wall. Now, how long this takes is, again, really individual. Um, And also, it it must be highlighted that some runners never recover and they find that they just have to walk to the finish line. So they still get there, but they have to walk. They just don't have it in them to carry on running. Now, it is thought, again, that there may be a psychological aspect to the recovery from hitting the wall. So, for example, some runners appear to find the the renewed motivation to speed up when they see the finish line. So they might be really, really slow um, for a period of time, maybe having to walk. But once they see that finish line, there seems to be this... um, psychological aspect that kicks in. But also, if a runner was to refuel at this point, then after a period of time, clearly that would take a bit of time, and they may have renewed energy to pick up the pace and actually finish quite well. But 
really, I have to say that refueling at this point, this point is too late. You're never going to make up the the amount of stores that that you need, that glycogen stores that you need to to really perform at your best. You want to start that way back at the beginning of the race. Now, also. Um, Sports psychologists actually recommend stay. So there's a lot of psychological aspects to this. And uh, and as we know, they say that regarding running, 80 percent is psychological and 20 percent is physical. So um, so it really does have a huge part to play here. So sports psychologists recommend staying in the present and using what they call um, an associative strategy to push through. Um, that hitting the wall. So, for example, they they recommend focusing on the race and thinking about what's happening in the bodies and ways that you can adapt to the situation that you're in. And again, practicing in training would be helpful here. Um, and also, maybe a runner could um, use self talk. So, for example. Have I had an energy drink on nutrition lately? So it makes them think about what do they need to do that could change the situ- situation. And they could also think about, can I vary my pace slightly? So maybe speed up, slow down, run, walk. So lots of different positive thoughts as they're, as they're trying to get through the wall. Now, it could be that a, a decreased mental awareness has caused a runner to overlook um, an important physical aspect um, to overcoming the very problem that they face. So, for example, they've um, forgotten to think about drinking or eating. So um, as they go through the wall, focusing on that aspect can help them get through it. Now, this associative approach is thought to be more beneficial to recovery from hitting the wall than a, a dissociative approach, which tends to be more about daydreaming or thinking of somewhere else you would rather be at that moment in time. Now, I think that's something that potentially a lot of people do fall into is sort of, I need to take myself away from what I'm experiencing in the moment. And I know I do that at times in training. Um, But what the psychologists are saying is to stay with it, think about it and think how you could adapt your situation to get you through the wall. So I thought that was a really interesting um, approach. Yeah, it is. And I I mean, it's something I suppose, like you say, to practice in your training um, Mm. so that you get used to doing it. And um, I have um, heard that repeating positive self-affirming statements are are also known to support recovery from hitting the ball and um, there was a, an olympic coach bobby mcgee he he stresses to his runners that the subconscious does not judge and so you must avoid using words like not so the example that he gives is if you repeat a phrase that says i am not weak or i do not quit then the subconscious will only preserve the heart of the message. So it'll say to you, I am weak and I quit. Uh, So that's not very positive, is it? Uh, So it's better to say, I am strong. I always finish. So be really positive and in the present. And uh, that will, you know, really help you apparently. Oh, I really like that, Aileen, sort of, I am strong and I always finish. I might think about using that when I'm out of my training. (laughs) 
Okay, but on that note, I feel we need to finish talking about the impact of um, hitting the wall and maybe take a quick advert break here, Aileen. So I'm going to hand back to you again. Okay, so we've been talking about hitting the wall and we've highlighted the fact that glycogen depletion is the principal risk factor in it occurring. So the key way to prevent it is to fuel appropriately and adequately And we're going to go into that in a little bit more detail further on in the episode. But I just wanted to uh, introduce you to or remind you uh, of our free nutrition guide that's available for you to download. And it's all about helping you uh, eat pre, during and after a training run or a race, because that's going to determine whether or not you hit the wall. Um, and getting your fueling right helps you to be fitter, faster and stronger. And it's going to help you recover more quickly from the event, uh, whether it's a training event or a, a race, uh, so that you're, you're ready for the next run. And um, we designed the free nutrition guide as a companion guide to our episodes, and it's called Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing. And it's a PDF ebook, and it lists our suggestions of what and when to eat pre, during, and post running. So it's a really good reference guide uh, for you to download. And we've had a, more than a thousand runners download the guide so far, and we've had great feedback. And um, it'll just help you, as I say, have a quick reference so you can quickly put our suggestions into action um, next time you're, you're out for a run. Um, and if, you, if you'd like the guide, all you need to do is visit our website, runnershealthhub.com. Look at the top menu bar where, where it'll say free nutrition guides. Um, click on the guide, pop in your email and we'll send it over to you. Um, we're also going to be doing a, another episode in couple of episodes time which is about running snacks so that'll give you a little bit of extra uh, information just to help you put everything into practice Uh, so we really hope that that will help you and uh, let us know how you get on because as you know we love to get your feedback Excellent. Thanks, Saline. Okay, so now let's take a look at how appropriate training and nutrition could help a runner avoid hitting the wall, because really, that's what it's about. You want to try and avoid that happening. Now, a former world record holding marathon runner, uh, Juma Ekanga, he's, he's, he's in his 60s now, but he was um, one of the fastest uh, marathon runners of his time. Now, he once said, the will to win means nothing without the will to prepare and I have to say I couldn't agree more I do think being prepared um, for anything but as a marathon runner I think preparation is really important Um, so let's have a look at training first and thinking about being prepared and remember like we said at the beginning we aren't qualified running coaches so the information that we give you here is like Aileen was saying, either anecdotal or from research that we've read and it's current research into this phenomenon. So one of the biggest pieces of advice I think we can give you is that you you not only need to be fit physically in order to have the stamina for a marathon, but also you need to be prepared psychologically, really so that you can face any difficult sections of the race um, that might Um, come up, as well as any unexpected challenges that might arise um, on the day. And like I said earlier, you know, 
um, running um, and certainly running those distances is 80% psychological and 20% physical. So being prepared psychologically, I think, is is it should be high up there in, in your preparation strategies. Now, I would say think about studying the race course well in advance of race day um, could help so that you can really determine um, some realistic expectations of your performance on the day. So, for example, is it is it hilly? Are there lots of switchbacks? Are you doing out and back, out and back? Uh, is it just one long out, one long long? Um, run back because all these things can affect you psychologically and I know they affect me psychologically and also check the weather conditions for race day um, as well Um, and also how many runners will be taking part now this will really all help you determine your performance expectations on the day because I think another aspect of um of of hitting the wall is an individual's expectations. They have great expectations of themselves, but then these environment environmental factors get in the way and slow them down. And the psychological and physical effects of that can potentially lead to to them hitting the wall. Yeah, that's great advice, Karen. And I think thinking about the physical preparation, the best piece of advice is to manage your pacing and have a strategy for race day and try not to go out too quickly and practice this you know practice 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 we always say in training for everything Uh, because on race day it's very easy to get caught up in the cheering of the crowds in your own emotions the fact that it's a race maybe the people around you um you know they're going faster and you want to go faster with them and as a result pacing can increase the excitement can take you along Um, but remember if the if the pace ends up being considerably faster than what you've been doing in training then you 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 know it's very likely that you could come face to face with the wall at mile 20 if if not before so you've really got to try and contain yourself yeah, absolutely true, Aileen. And in one study I was reading, they concluded that even pacing throughout the the marathon was um, sort of associated with faster finish time. So making sure that you're keeping a steady pace um, and not sort of going out too quickly, slowing down, quick, uh, sort of going quick and slowing down again. Um, so just keeping that even pace um, is associated with faster finishing times. Okay, so now let's have a look at the influence of nutrition on the risk of a runner hitting the wall during a marathon. Now we have spoken about the important influence of glycogen stores on this phenomenon and how glucose, so that ready available energy form of glycogen, is a principal fuel for skeletal muscle, but also the brain as well. Now, as the body has limited storage capacity um, for glycogen, as we mentioned earlier, in order to preserve glycogen stores, fueling pre and during the marathon is imperative, like I mentioned. These are really key, key factors um, to help maintain those glycogen stores. 
Yeah, and this really needs to be practiced over and over again during training. And and by doing that, practicing your um, conditioning, your uh, your nutrition and your digestive system, and you're helping to limit the possibility of digestive distress and any other symptoms caused by eating or during a race. So typical ones might be cramps or stitches and uh, and that's something that we discuss in um, some other episodes Um, particularly I'm thinking of episode 93 which is fueling marathon running so we discuss pre and during uh, fueling uh, in distance events and training um, and that will be be there to help and also we're going to be discussing it in a bit more detail um, in some future episodes so we're planning a London Marathon Milestone series um, so that's going to be over the, the summer and early autumn months getting all of those London Marathon runners ready so watch out for those episodes um, Actually, the the first one um, was just last week. So uh, there's time to catch up and uh, I hope you'll find those useful too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hopefully they will be really helpful for that London marathon. But just to recap regarding carbohydrate intake pre and during a marathon event. Now, here we're really just going to summarise a nutrition strategy in the hours leading up to a marathon, so on marathon day. However, it is important to introduce some carb loading and a carb loading strategy in the few days leading up to the marathon event. And we do discuss that in detail in that episode you just mentioned, alien fueling, um, marathon running. So thinking about um, the protocol and the hours before the race. Now, the aim really of of this pre-race meal or substantial snack is to maximise those glycogen stores and also to have some ready available glucose um, for for beginning the race. And this is going to be achieved through um, carbohydrate intake. Um, So you're really optimising that fuel availability throughout the race. And this is particularly important for events starting in the morning because carbohydrate intake um, can help to restore liver glycogen following an overnight fast because about 80% of our stored liver glycogen is used up because the during the night because the liver is so active overnight. Um, but also it's going to provide an ongoing supply of carbohydrate from the gut. So it's going to really help support um, having that ready available glucose. Now, the timing, size and food choices of your pre-race meal will vary depending on um, different event characteristics such as um, is it a road race, is it a trail, is it a mountain event? Because as we were saying, all these different aspects will um, make a difference in um, how much energy you utilise. So you have to adjust your intake for that. Um, and how long there is between getting up and the event starting. Um, and, and of course, any runner's preferences. So really, it's about um, all a lot of different um, aspects on race day, um, thinking about what you're going to have as your pre-race meal. Um, and as you said earlier, Aileen, these should be well practiced in training to develop an appropriate 
a protocol for you and for your digestive system and for preventing um, any any other symptoms. Now, it is recommended that this meal um, contains between one to four grams per kilogram of body weight of carbohydrates and is consumed within one to four hours pre-race. Now, how much time you have between eating and running will determine whether the food sources of carbohydrates that you, you eat contain more quick-release carbohydrates or slow-release. Now, the slow-release foods um, that I'm thinking of include the likes of whole grains, so brown rice, quinoa, millet, amaranth, oats, etc., and root vegetables, so sweet potatoes, carrots, parsnips, and beetroot. Now, the less time you have, so... So two hours or less, the more quick release the carbohydrates need to be. So here you might think about um, including white bread or white rice, polenta, white potato, because they're more readily absorbed. So would support that efficient glycogen storing and also, again, limit any potential uh, digestive issues occurring as you get closer to race ca- countdown. Um, now, we're speaking mainly about um, your nutrition here, so your food intake. But I just wanted to give you a quick note about hydration here. Now, runners really should always be considering the fluid intake as well as the nutrient intake to achieve um, optimal hydration status um, for the event and specific race day weather conditions um, because dehydration could have an impact on hitting the wall as well. Although I have to say, I haven't found any research to date that has concentrated on this aspect of fueling. But I do think that um, hydration and dehydration could impact and influence hitting the wall. Yeah, and and that's where, you know, taking account of the temperature, you know, and the the weather conditions, can you know make a big difference so it's important to be able to adapt isn't it absolutely absolutely okay so moving on to you you talked there about the pre-race meal sort of either you know within that one to four hours before a race Um, but we also need to think about what to do immediately before the race so um, what we recommend is within 30 minutes of the race starting, having a small carbohydrate rich snack and, and making that a quick release carbohydrate rich snack. So um, our suggestions would include things like medjool dates, raisins, a banana. Um, and we also like using the Ella's kitchen pouches. So those are actually uh, children's food, but they're or babies, really babies and toddlers. But we found that they're really great for um, for a pre-run uh, quick release snack because they're, they're pure fruit. So I, I particularly like the mango ones, Karen. I don't know if you've got a favourite. Um, yeah, that would be my favourite as well. And there's a uh... An apple and banana one as well. That's very nice. Yeah, so they're 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 great because they're easy to transport. They've got screw tops, uh, and and they're more readily absorbed um, and metabolized, providing glucose for energy quickly. All of these quick release snacks will do that for you. Um, and then if we we think about what to do during the race, so um, if we move on to discuss when and how much to eat during the marathon, our recommendations would include, again, focusing on quick release, carbohydrate-rich foods. Uh, The guidance um, tells us that uh, taking on board between 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate between every 
45 to 60 minutes is um, the, the most appropriate amount to take. Uh, and foods uh, to include would be similar to the ones that we've just mentioned. But you've got to remember that, you know, when you're, you're running, you've got to make choices that are practical, easy to carry, easy to eat. So things like maybe the bananas wouldn't be great. I tend to use dates a lot. I find that I can uh, and I, I, what I do is I, I tend to have smaller amounts more often. Um, so I'll maybe have half a day every 20 minutes and just build my amount up. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people prefer bars or gels. And if that's uh, for you, then again, we, we suggest uh, choosing more natural ones. Um, so the ones that we like are Honey Stinger. We like Vela Forte, Tribe, and then, of course, the Ellis Kitchen Pouches, which are really just like holding a gel so they're easy to to travel with. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said earlier, Aileen, they've got screw tops. You know, a lot of these gels you have to rip off the top. If you don't eat at all, you're left with this gooey mess in your in your in your pocket or wherever. Whereas with Ella's kitchen pouches, the screw tops, so you don't have that mess. That's what I like about them. And just thinking about hydration again here quickly, really the aim is to ensure that that fluid loss throughout a marathon is no greater than um, around 2% to 3% of body mass during the race. So, you know, requirements will be really individual. And like we said earlier, should be practiced in training. But just be mindful that if it's more than 3%, um, if you're more than 3% dehydrated, and that's 3% of body mass dehydrated, then that's when signs and symptoms um, aren't um, hitting the wall or something similar could occur uh, during a race. And also just to remember to increase your fluid intake if the weather conditions are hot and or if you um, have a high sweat rate, it's it's always worth um, thinking about that. And again, trying to to, to work that out um, during training. And small amounts taken often might be preferable for some people, especially if you're a fast runner, uh, because you might actually find it quite difficult to, to drink large volumes of fluids all at once and the time it takes to do that and the, the changes it does and it, it makes to breathing patterns. So um, so just small amounts more often might be what works. Um, but just before we close, Eileen, I just wanted to mention Um, the influence of glycogen depletion on the brain because this again like we say is associated with hitting the wall and that psychological cognitive aspect of hitting the wall and as I said earlier the brain needs glucose in fact glucose is the brain's sole fuel source so if it is deprived due to depleted glycogen stores what happens is that concentration diminishes. Um, And again, this is a a symptom of um, hitting the wall. Also, um, glycogen depletion is known to raise serotonin levels, which could make a a runner feel tired um, because of that raised serotonin levels, because it's known as as calming. Um, And on top of that, dopamine, so that neurotransmitter that's responsible for motivation and reward, diminishes when glycogen is depleted. So, so really, I think glycogen depletion could create the perfect storm for both physical and psychological reactions that could then result in a runner 
hitting the wall. So really remember, remember to be prepared would be my my last comment there, Aileen. Yeah, and I think, you know, relating it to your cognition and that sort of feeling where you you know, your, your brain isn't working as well as it could be while, you, while you're running. I think that's really powerful to remind us it's not just the uh, the glycogen and the glucose that we need for our legs, it's what we need for our brain as well because that's going to be just as important. Um, so, yeah, I think be prepared is definitely the motto for today. So be prepared nutritionally, be prepared physically, and be prepared psychologically and emotionally. So, uh, yeah, some powerful messages, Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're about to uh, round up the episode. But before we do, could you uh, give us our key takeaways uh, for today, Karen? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So really hitting the wall is a familiar experience for many runners during a marathon event. And it is characterized by that sudden and dramatic slowing of pace around the 20 mile mark. So that 30 kilometer mark. And runners tend to hit the wall due to a combination of factors, including inadequate fueling and poor pacing decisions. And research suggests that hitting the wall has both a physiological and a psychological element to it. So a marathon runner really needs to be both physically and emotionally and psychologically prepared ahead of race day. And carbohydrate intake pre and during the phase really is fundamental in limiting the chances of a marathon runner hitting the wall. But what I would end on here is if all else fa- if all else fails and you do actually hit the wall, remember As physically and psychologically challenging as it may be, it is only temporary. And I think having that knowledge alone might actually be enough to help get a runner through it and to the finish line. So it is temporary. Oh, thanks, Karen. That's really excellent advice and a great conversation. And and from what we've discussed, I think it's important to remind everyone that hitting the wall is avoidable um, if you're well prepared. But as you say, um, it is only a temporary uh, moment in time if you do hit the wall and you can get through it. Um, And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. 
They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.